Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. How many of you are ready for the word this morning? Are you ready for the word? We just conclude. Actually, today is day 21 of our 21 days of prayer. Uh, today's prayer focus is living life in Christ. And Miranda shared the scripture verse relating to that passage, but I want to begin by just reading this and, and, and letting you see it on the slide behind me. John 15, four, uh, actually verses 4 and 5 read, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in me, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, I want to thank you for those of you that have participated in the 21 days of prayer. I believe this time has been a time of really pressing into God seeking direction, getting clarification concerning his will and purpose. And, and for some of us, I believe we have received some instruction, some direction. And I want to encourage you to continue to seek God throughout this year. Uh, hopefully, maybe there's some uh, areas of your life that God has adjusted and dealt with and that you've incorporated more of godly directives in your life. I know for me personally, God deals with me on specifics. And sometimes it's just small adjustments that I need to make as I draw closer to God to live out his purpose. And, and so uh, I believe that as we conclude this fast, what we do, where we go from here is determined by you. And I believe if maybe you haven't received a breakthrough, maybe you haven't received an answer to prayer, uh, extend that fast, at least in some capacity, uh, because really, fasting is simply a, a, a place in the Word where we see we sacrifice something to gain something else. It's displacing our time or depriving ourselves of something we want, something we desire, for the purpose of drawing into God. Because the Scripture says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. And I believe that fasting is one way that we can incite spiritual hunger in our life to go after God. And so uh, we're going after him. So we want to join our faith together in, as we pray. And we want to lift up Joan Grunwald, uh, who is hospitalized at this time. She's dealing with pneumonia. She has an infection in her lungs. And actually, they're going to be doing surgery on Monday, tomorrow, to uh, uh, deal with some of the, uh, the uh, buildup in her lungs. So let's just join our faith together as we pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for an opportunity to be able to minister the Word of God. We're grateful for the truth that brings freedom in our lives. And Father, we thank you for the people that have assembled here today, that you would open up their eyes to see, their ears to hear, that we can receive truth, Father, that can bring transformation in our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. And Father, we also lift up Joan, and we thank you for the extension of your healing hand upon her life. 
Father, that you would give the doctors wisdom, insight, and understanding as they treat her. Father, we pray for the success of this surgery. We thank you for lungs that are clear and free to breathe. And, Father, to be healthy and whole in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We thank you for sending your word to heal and deliver her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Psalms 119, verses 89 and 90. And this is kind of a theme verse that we've taken hold of as we uh, roll out this series and talk about generations. Psalms 119, verses 89 and 90 uh, declares, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Verse 90 goes on to say, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. Now, we realize that God's faithfulness endures to every generation. No generation is excluded in the faithfulness of God to minister to that generation. And last week, we talked about a foundation that lasts, talked about enduring vision, I believe that God's faithfulness extends. It's far-reaching for every generation. And our focus this year, our vision this year, I believe God has given us some clarity. And I just want to recap a couple of things about that. Um, at Refuge, we the continuing vision for this church that God has given us from the time of relaunch is the vision statement. How many of you know what a vision statement is? It's a statement that we can all come together to support and embrace, which speaks of a mission that God has called us to do. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Your neighbor sitting next to you matters. They matter to God. No one's insignificant. This is a place where you can grow while finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. Now, it's exciting to see all those small group leaders up here on the platform that shared about their small group. For me, that's a vision that has come to fruition and is ongoing. Several years ago, we had visited a church, Bayside Community Church in Florida, in Bradenton, Florida, and we met with the small group director, that oversaw the small groups of that congregation. It's a multi-campus church. They have around 17,000 members in their church. They have seven or eight different campuses throughout uh, the uh, southwestern uh, part of the state of Florida. And the question they asked first is that was this. You need to determine whether you will be a church with small groups or a church of small groups? And that question pricked my heart. It brought conviction upon me because I immediately knew that God wanted us to be a church of small groups, that that would be the life of the church. What that does, that allows more people to be involved in serving, leading, and helping to communicate the vision interacting with other people's lives to build healthy and meaningful relationships. And that's an important thing for a church. 
It's not just showing up on Sunday, fulfilling your obligation, and heading out the door. That's not what it is at all. It's more than that. It's, it's really experiencing life together as a church family. And so much can be accomplished in small groups where needs can be met. Uh, uh, you can join with one another in prayer and all that. And, and um, I didn't mean to show all this, but after hearing from all these small group leaders, I, I, I'm just compelled and motivated to do that. Anyway, for 2020, we're investing in generations people, projects, and property, that's part of an element of it. And we understand that what God wants to do this year may be bigger than what we may feel we're capable of doing, but it's not bigger than God. One of the greatest undertakings we're going to be doing this year that I believe will impact this year in our outreach to the community will be to launch a second Sunday service. And that's going to require more people to serve, to get involved. But the outcome will be reaching people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I also believe God is wanting us to take steps to begin planning on building a gymnasium, which has been a desire, a dream for the last 20-some years. But that dream or vision hasn't died. It's just been delayed. But I believe we're going to begin to see things happen for that to happen which will also be another way we can reach out to the community and bring families together. This year's hashtags, you need to write this down for 2020. We have three hashtags that kind of uh, sum up our vision for this year. And as we teach and as we minister the word, much of what will come across this pulpit will revolve around these three hashtags. Now, you know what a hashtag is? You need to be on Instagram to find out, okay? Um, but the first hashtag is generational impact. The second is God is faithful. And the third is limitless God. So you'll be seeing that show up from time to time on our Instagram posts and, and so forth. But those are three directives that we are embracing for 2020. Okay? So I'm excited about that. How about you? How can we impact generations? I've shared that it starts with a willingness to enlist and engage in what God is doing in the earth. It really does. And we need to make his faithfulness known. I believe to know him and make him known is our mission. Psalms 89 verse 1 says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. In other words, we don't stop just because we had a bad day, okay? With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness, notice, to all generations. We don't exclude one generation. We don't exclude the children because they maybe don't understand certain things at our level. But we include every generation in our outreach. Dictionary.com defines generation as the term of years, roughly 30 among human beings, accepted as the average period between the birth of parents and the birth of their offspring. It also goes on to say that a generation is defined as a group of individuals, most of whom are the same approximate age, having similar ideas, problems, attitudes, etc. Another bullet point of that 
definition of generations is, actually, I don't have another bullet point for the definition, but realize that people's lifestyles are usually fixed by generational habits and fashions. So you can dress like people did in the 50s, and that was, you know, that will identify you in that age group anyway, but we won't go there. Fashions change. I have a slide here with generations, if you want to bring that one up. And so we see these are the, the four prominent generations that most of us know about. And over the course of time, we're going to be dissecting some of this. Uh, we need to consider, and this is uh, how our Western culture is labeled and identified generations. We have the baby boomers. And <laughs> I have to say it right. And um, I hate to admit it, but that's where Pastor Deb and I fall in. The baby boomers. <laughs> hey, how many baby boomers do we have here? Come on, let's, let's hear it for the baby boomers. Okay, yay, yay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they were born between 1944 and 1964. Followed by that, we have the Generation X. And about 50 million of you out there, at least in America. And... Generation X, they were born between 1965 to 1979. Um, currently, they're from 40 to 54 years old. And, yeah. The next, yeah. How many, how many Generation Xers do we have here? Okay. All right. Look at you. Awesome. Then we have Generation Y. See, we're going through the alphabet. Now, we didn't start with A, but we're going back to A, okay, eventually here. But Generation Y, or the Millennials, whoa, born between 1980 and 1994. And now, some numbers may vary depending what, who's doing the research. How many Millennials do we have here? Come on, let's see it. See it. Okay. All right. Oh, and we could say a whole lot about Millennials. We really could. Good stuff, okay? Some good stuff. And then we have Generation Z, born between 1995 and 2010. Oh, how many Generation Zers do we have here? Okay, look at that. Okay. Wow. Um, then the next generation, or the latest one, is Alpha, for A, born between 2011 till present. So move over Generation Z. Alpha is the one to keep your eye on. Because Generation Alpha, they would rather have an iPod than a dog, a pet dog, okay? They are totally into technology. I mean, from, from the time they can look at a screen and their eyes can focus on the screen, they're into technology, okay? Anyway, so... but. Here's a slide from infant to senior. And when you look at this, this scope here, here we see the infant and the growth cycle and, and uh, the senior guy over there. Hopefully that will not be me in a few years. <laughs> okay, which one are you? Okay. <laughs> anyway. So... For each physical stage of life, we can correlate the seasons of our spiritual life in some way, okay? Uh, so this series is actually twofold. We're going to discuss 
uh, the characteristics of each generation, as well as trying uh, or tying in our spiritual growth uh, from uh, infancy to adulthood. And so we'll be talking about growth and development at those various stages. Now, in light of this message, I'm going to address three things. Number one, birth, and relating to physical birth. Number two, born again, being born again, which is spiritual birth, or we call the new birth. And then number three, the new generation. And so the time that we have, we're going to address these three particular areas. So when we consider birth, physical birth, we understand that birth is always an entry point. It's always an entry point into this world, okay, when we understand physical birth. And when a woman finds out that she's expecting, there's usually initial excitement, surprise, or shock, okay, um, which sets in motion a whole new season in their life and their household, of course. A time of preparation is at hand. Now, birth is defined, if we're going to define birth, birth is defined as the emergence of a baby or other young from the body of its mother, the start of life as a physical separate being. Because before that time, uh, the child is attached and connected in the womb of the mother to an umbilical cord that gives that child life. But once the child is born, they actually can live outside the womb on their own, separately. They still need their mom, though, right? Absolutely need their mom. They're totally dependent upon the parents for survival. And so there's correlation there with a, a new believer being born of the kingdom. They need parents to take care of them, to help them grow so that they don't perish, okay, along the way. Now, there's stages of labor. I did a little homework on this, and thankfully Deb uh, gave me a little insight because she understands this very well. She has given birth to four children, and uh, I'm so thankful for that. We're so grateful for that. But there's the early stage, active, and transition. Women, how many of you know what I'm talking about that have given birth? Okay, you your doctor's probably gone over this with you at some point during the delivery. So the early stage of labor during this phase, you should try to relax. It's not necessary to rush to the hospital at this point. It lasts about 9 to 12 hours, but there's these thing called, things called contractions, which are usually 5 to 30 minutes apart and you time them, okay? So you move from early to active. The active stage of, pres of, of childbirth is time to head to the hospital or the birthing center. Contractions are stronger, longer, and closer together. So this is the time where they have you ladies walk the hall to help the contractions along and maybe to get you distracted, you know, distract you a little bit. Um, I, I want to say this. Women, I'm so grateful for the calling in your life and the fact that God has given you the assignment to give birth, not men. Okay. <laughs> when I was in the delivery room with my wife, with Deb, 
I was thankful that it wasn't me giving birth. <laughs> um, and in fact, I'll never forget July 14th, 1993, when our first son, Daniel, was born, our oldest son. Uh, now, Deb Ford warned me that I need to be very careful how I share this, okay, and uh, what I'm about to say. Uh, when Deb was in the final stage, and I'm going to talk about transition, transition stage of childbirth with Daniel, I went up to her, and as a spiritual man, as a pastor, I just started to pray. And in her pain and discomfort in that moment, she said, Matthew, I love you, and you can pray all that you want, but go do it in the corner. <laughs> She said, go do it in the corner because I don't want to hear you. <laughs> you did this to me. No, she didn't. She did not say that, okay? <laughs> All right. Anyway, the transitional stage of labor is the final stage following the early and active. It happens sometimes quickly, usually less than an hour. Contractions can last from 60 to 90 seconds. Wow. Uh, with usually a 30-second to two-minute rest in between. The transition makes ready for the baby's descent, beginning of the baby's birth as he or she moves into the birth canal. It's when the mother's whole body shakes and then she gives birth. And I've witnessed that, and it's absolutely beautiful to see a child born, to see that gift, that entry of that child into this world. And I'll never forget, after they cleaned Daniel up when our first son was born, and they kind of bundle him up in, in a little, you know, cloth thing, and they handed this baby to me, and, and I was so afraid because I, he was so seemingly fragile, and he had this red hair. And I said, Deb, he has red hair. Now, she never liked red hair. No offense to anybody here. So God played that on her, gave her a son with red hair, and it's blazing red hair, okay? <laughs> and she said, that's blood. It'll wash off. <laughs> but it didn't. It didn't. Anyway, holding that child that was just born into the world, a gift from God, and standing there, now what, God? I have this amazing responsibility to raise this child, and I felt totally inadequate for the challenge. So I had to look to God, and, and well, God helps moms and dads through all that. Some of you young people looking up at me thinking, oh, boy. But the day's coming, okay? The day's coming. Just get ready, okay? Get ready. I don't want kids. Well, yeah, you should want kids. They're a blessing. We'd never send any one of ours back. You know? We'd never trade any one of them in either. <laughs> now, I want to talk, the first thing we're going to talk about is born again. 
which we call the spiritual birth or the new birth. Turn with me to John chapter 3. And um, I'm going to kind of abbreviate some things as we go here. So uh, a man by the name of Nicodemus, a Nicodemus, a priest, came and visited Jesus. And in chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So he was thinking of this totally in the natural. Jesus answered, truly I, truly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom. Verse 3, verse 5, you cannot enter it. Verse 6, it says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is with everyone who is born of the spirit. In other words, you can see the effect of the wind upon the trees, upon the grass. You don't It may be coming from the north, south, east, or west, but the wind comes, it has its effect, and it goes. And that's how the Spirit of God moves. But the whole essence of what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus was, in order to enter the kingdom of God, just as you entered this earth through physical birth, you need to enter the kingdom of God through a spiritual birth. And it's a must, it's a necessity, you can't get around it. So we talked about birth. We talked about the new birth. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3, Peter makes this statement. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's through his resurrection that imparts life to us to give us a spiritual birth. And so a question I might ask you today, you can think about this. Have you been born again? Now, if you struggle with that, well, I'm not sure. Well, hang on, because we're going to talk a little bit more about that before we bring this message to a close. First Peter 1.23, actually verse 22 and 23, it says, Having purified your souls by your obedience, by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. The living and abiding word of God. That's Jesus. Jesus lives and abides in us. His word lives and abides in us. And we understand that there is a heart change when someone is born again. There's a transformation when someone is born again. Something transitions in the life and heart. And uh, we just celebrated this past week, uh, Martin Luther King Day, and honoring a man that stood up for justice, for truth, a man of God that spoke truth. And he made this statement, which goes along with this last verse I shared. He said, I've decided to stick with, stick to love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. And so brotherly love is a proof that you've been born again. 
when you have the love of God as a dominant influence and shaper of your life that affects your decisions, that affects your actions, that determines the flow and the walk and the journey of life that you choose. The love of God is demonstrated. Thirdly, the new creation. The result of being born again, the result of the new birth is that we become a new creation, something that did not exist before. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, it's interesting to notice what this says. We become a new creation. A new creation is a result of the new birth. We literally have the life of God in us, which before we didn't. The scripture tells us in Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, it says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. See, before we were born again, our nature was corrupt. We were tainted with sin. The sin nature controlled and dominated us. Now, just because you got born again doesn't mean the sin nature is totally gone. But you have a new nature that's come to take its place. The old sin nature still dominates the way you think, the way you process things. But when you begin to renew your mind to the word, you begin to understand the new creation reality of what God has placed in you. And so you can then begin to live out of the new creation rather than the old person that didn't know God, that old sinful nature. The new creation confronts and overpowers and overrides the old sinful nature when we begin to renew our mind to the word of God, the truth that we see in the Bible. It goes on to say, Verse 23, and, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So that new self is the result of a new nature that we receive when we're born again. And that's what Jesus was talking about. You must be born again. You must receive the nature of God, his very nature is what we receive, the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is, simply means the power for right living, to live right, to speak right, to act right. It's God's right order in our life. The final verse I'm going to share with you this morning before we conclude is First Peter 2, 1 through 3, because something about a newborn baby, you got to feed them. Okay? And they're hungry. And every, what, two hours, you got to feed them. Sometimes, you know, they get even hungrier than that. And, uh, but First Peter 2, verses 1 through 3, when a person is born again, this is the instruction from the word. So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. In other words, the way you lived before, all that junk, that dominated and controlled your life, you need to put that aside. In verse 2, like newborn infants, long for, 
the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. See, we can come into a place like this and have an encounter of God's presence. We can taste the goodness of the Lord. But as spiritual babes, as those who come to Christ, it's important that we feed on the milk of the word because that's going to help us grow up into our salvation. Just as that infant, when he's fed, begins to grow up into childhood, into the teenage years, into adulthood, there's a, there's a growth process that takes place when we're feeding on the word. And spiritual growth is paralleled to physical growth. There are those who may have accepted Christ 20 years ago, and they're still spiritual babes because maybe they haven't fed on the word. Maybe they haven't grown in their walk with God. I'm going to extend to you an invitation this morning as I normally do every Sunday. But I want to ask this question. What is God specifically speaking to you through this message? Now, I haven't had a lot of time to really dig into some more details, but I've given you an overview of things. When it comes to physical birth, the new birth, and the new creation, the greatest decision someone will ever make in their life is to receive Jesus as the Lord of their life. And to do that, it requires a choice, a decision that you make on your own without being forced. It's a free choice. Just as Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom. See, Jesus is not trying to keep you out of the kingdom. But you cannot enter the kingdom without a spiritual birth. Just as you can't enter this physical world without a physical birth. All of you were born into this world because you had a physical birth. Yet the only way we can enter the spiritual world, the kingdom of God or heaven, is through a spiritual birth. And my question is, will you be born again? Now, I know many of you are. You've made the decision to accept Jesus, your Lord and Savior. You can say, I am born again. I have experienced the new birth. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. My life has changed. It's been transformed. But with every head bowed right now, nobody looking around, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, you know, I have not given my heart to Jesus. I've not been born again. But today, I open my heart to Jesus. And I'm willing to put my trust in Him to save me from my sins. I'm willing to allow Him to do a work in me. If that's you, you say, Pastor, I don't know that my life is right with God. But I want to be born again today. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Put my trust in him. If that's you, just lift your hand and we're going to pray for you. 
you may be away from God and you've drifted and you journey with him and, and maybe today you're saying I want to get back on track I want to get right with God if that's you raise your hand because God's going to meet you thank you thank you let's stand up together and whether you raised your hand or not I'm going to lead you in what I call a believer's prayer and the believer's prayer is simply putting our faith in Jesus, receiving salvation. The Bible says if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we would be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Repeat after me if you would. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I acknowledge my need. I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. Jesus, you said I must be born again. Today I put my trust in you to receive you as the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of my sins for saving me. I receive the new birth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, I pray for everyone here, those that raise their hands, and Father, every believer that stands before me, that you would give them a greater revelation of the new birth of the new birth resulting in us becoming a new creation in Christ. That all things pass away, that we're able to put on the new man and put off the old and live this life in true righteousness and holiness so that we can serve your purpose. In Jesus' name. Father, you said we pass from death to life. We thank you, Father, that we enter your kingdom through the new birth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to close the service with a song called Canvas and Clay. Realize that he makes all things work together for our good and for the glory of his name. And before we sing that song, I just want to make one announcement. Today at 2 o'clock at the courthouse steps, believers are gathering for a walk for life. And I've been asked to lead that prayer. We are there to pray because there's babies being aborted that never have a chance to enter this world. I am pro-life. And I believe we need to defend those who cannot defend themselves. So I'm going to be walking in that march. We're going to have a speaker at the um, Dreyfus Center in the alumni room uh, following the march or the walk to the UW Center. And you're welcome to join us 2 o'clock at the courthouse steps right down the road here. But let's worship God together at this time. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.